Welcome to A Friend of Mine, a series of conversations with some incredible and inspiring women in business from regional and rural Australia. I'm Kimberly Finesse, your host and the founder and editor of Oak Magazine, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some amazing female entrepreneurs who will share with you their experience and knowledge of what it takes to start, grow and scale a successful business. So let me introduce you to a friend of mine. Jen Donovan is a property law specialist turned retailer, turned social media and marketing speaker, change maker, mentor and coach to small businesses. She's not just an entrepreneur, she's an advocate for rural and regional small businesses with a community of over 380,000 people. Her ethos is simple but powerful, small business, big impact. Jen runs her business, Social Media and Marketing Australia, from her farm in Yarrawonga and is about to release a book specifically tailored for rural businesses titled Small Town, Big Impact. In this episode, recorded in the podcast van on the foreshore of Lake Mulwala, Jen will take us on her incredible journey in the world of business. She'll share her very first and oh-so-important lesson of business, listen to the customer. Jen will also discuss community as a superpower, tell us about some insights from the big small business survey that she's been conducting, and how AI is becoming popular with small business owners. This episode is filled with wisdom, insights and tips that you'll want to listen to not just once, but twice to capture all of Jen's knowledge. Meet my friend, Jen Donovan. Hello, Jen, and welcome to A Friend of Mine podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. Well, thank you for inviting me to uh, your beautiful border town. So we're Yarrawonga, Mulwala. Um, we have parked the van along the foreshore. And I don't know, you probably haven't got the view. I've, I've set myself up, of course, um, just to be able to look out the door and see that beautiful, massive lake. There's only one boat on there at the moment. It's a bit overcast today, but I imagine that this would get pretty busy during during our peak yeah, summer. It does. We're a real tourist town. Um, a lot of Melbourne people come, like we're only like three and a bit hours from Melbourne. So it gets, it really swells. I'd say it probably either doubles or triples. It's really hard to get accommodation here. Uh, anything after about Christmas Eve until about the third week in January, um, which is just beautiful for the local businesses. And, you know, even though us locals, we complain because we can't get a car park and all of that. At the end of the day, the amount of money it pumps into our town is amazing. Mm, it is. It's a beautiful little spot. Um, let's start there. What drew you to this area? Uh, is this home for you? Yeah, I'm actually really boring. It <laughs> is home for me. So um, I grew up on a farm about 20 minutes um, from Yarrawonga um, with my mum and dad and brother and sister and then my dad actually had a heart attack three weeks off being 40. Now he's still with us and he's never had another heart attack and next year will be 40 years since that happened but they had to sell the farm up and they moved to town um, and my dad ended up um, being the curator at the local tennis courts for about 25 years but yeah I moved to town when I was about 15 and as I think I was saying to you earlier Kimberly, um, I 
vow and declared I'd never marry a farmer. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I've, or fortunately, depending on which way you look at it, I fell in love with um, a farmer at about age 15. I met my husband. And um, yeah, so now I live 20 minutes the other side of the border on a farm, a fifth generation farm. So yeah, look, I've been to uni in Melbourne and been to uni in Sydney and I've lived in Albury and had, you know, a little bit of traveling around, but Basically, I'm back where I started. Wow. You're also telling me that just down the road, you had a retail store. Yeah, I did. So I started my career in law and did that for about 15 or 16 years in property law. And then um, as my story goes, my best friend and I had way too much wine to drink one night and we both decided to throw in our corporate jobs and buy a business. She was working in disabilities and I was working in law and we're like, yeah, let's just go work for our ourselves and um and before I knew it like literally we had bought a shop I think it was like a four-week turnaround we got the local newspaper out that night it's like what about that one? Oh yeah let's buy that one um and we sort of bought this rundown shop and we thought oh we'll have a beautiful country giftware shop like we're both farmers wives and you kind of can imagine you know the beautiful ideas we had for the shop but probably one of my first learnings going into business for myself was listen to the customer and Yarrawonga had no kitchen shop so this is where we ended up heading after just being told over and over again we need this have you got this can you get this in and all of a sudden it was like ah okay here's our niche and so we ended up um, having a kitchen shop we rebranded into the kitchenware queens and seven years I got to work with my best friend every single day and we still are best friends. I was going to say, you do hear stories um, that it could go either way. So, you know, there's some that are in that camp. Yep. You know, there's siblings or girlfriends that work really, really well together. And then there's others that it starts out fine and, you know, just takes a really rank left-hand turn. (laughs) Uh, What do you think, why did it work for you? Yeah, I guess um, the main reason why I think it worked for us was because we'd been friends since we were 14. We'd already had like 20 odd years of friendship under our belt, but also we had really defined roles in the business. I did marketing, um, I did paperwork, I was the finance person and she was the person that was a bit more creative. Like I remember we'd get stock in and you know it might be her day off and I'd do this beautiful display and she'd come in and she'd go oh my god and she'd change it all. (laughs) I just don't have a creative bone in my body. I think that I do but I don't. So yeah she was the person that did that. We were able to take I guess criticism as well you know you know, get off my turf type of thing. You're no good at this. Go away. Which was probably more me being told not to fiddle with stuff in the shop. Yeah. Oh, um, was social media around then? It was, but really? it was really yeah. different. So Facebook, I remember distinctly putting up a Facebook post. We weren't long in the shop. Um, so this is about 2010. Um, and we had a whole heap of stock we wanted to get rid of, basically. I put up a post saying, you know, clearance... Like we couldn't breathe in the shop for like three days. Like the amount of traction that one post got, like, you know, the local push that it had, you know, the algorithm just didn't exist like it does oh, now. Oh, the good old days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whereas now, you know, it just, well, potentially it could work like that if you've got a really great community behind you, which is one of the, the things that I really talk about when it comes to social media. But it was, it, it was there. It was different. Um, I remember Instagram coming on 
on board and people starting to get into Instagram. Um, but to be totally honest, as a marketing um, person, email was the way we marketed our business the best. Yeah. Mm. And do you still find that now that email? Yes. Yeah. Are you shocked by the number of businesses that don't have an email list or are too afraid to use it? because they're scared of spamming people. Absolutely. It's one of my, uh, I guess, passions is to get people to see the power of a list. And people are like, yes, but I hate getting emails. I'm like, no, you don't. You just hate getting the emails that you don't want. You know, the spammy email. As far as community building and having those, like I get emails from, you know, for instance, like the bird's nest. They probably send maybe one, maybe two a day. I don't read all of them, but guess where I go when I want to dress? I think, oh, what's Bird's Nest got? Because they're top of mind. So sometimes it's also being in the inbox and it's just not about the open rate type Mm. of thing. Like the open rate is definitely what we're aiming for, but sometimes it's that top of mind marketing. So I always am trying to push people to think outside the Instagram, Facebook, TikTok square. Yes. And that is where you live at the moment in terms of your business. If anyone is on social media, it's pretty hard pressed to open up, whether it's LinkedIn, uh, Facebook or Instagram, in a marketing, social media with a really good injection of regional rural. It's hard to not see you. Like, honestly, <laughs> and I mean that in the, the best oh, wow. possible way. Uh, you are, You pop up on all my little uh, platforms, I suppose. And, and even from a personal aspect, like LinkedIn is not used for brand for me as such. Um, Oak does have a, its own page, but really I'm on there, you know, in a personal capacity and you're always on there. Um, I've joined membership groups over the years Mm -hmm. and you've always popped up as one of our guest speakers. Like you've, do you want to tell me about your business and how you've come to be everywhere. (laughs) How you've come to be the guru. (laughs) Well, how I've come to be everywhere is I have some really great help. So um, I guess, so my business is a marketing business. I do marketing and social media, coaching and mentoring for small businesses. Um, I I do have clients that definitely live in cities, but because I'm a rural girl, I've got a really soft spot for just making marketing a priority and that's pretty much the song you'll always hear me sing is if you just make it a priority rather than a sometimes activity that's pretty much the purpose of my business is to help small business owners realize that marketing needs to be a priority in their business and I guess as far as being everywhere so um, one of the things that I kind of teach and talk about is you need that one hero piece of content what's your hero piece of content for me it's podcasting just like you I love podcasting Um, I'm almost up to um, my sixth year of podcasting wow Oh, it's a lot of work as we've kind of spoken about, but that's my hero piece. So then I have virtual assistants who turn it into reels and I have a virtual assistant who turns it into a blog because I always make sure I write um, show notes with them. And, you know, so that's how you kind of get lots of pieces of content out of one piece of content. So sometimes I get a little bit like, oh man, am I showing up too often? Um, But, you know, like my um, virtual assistant, Lee, who is just amazing, she's been with me more or less from the start her job is to repurpose my podcast into a blog and then to 
um, reschedule both podcasts and blogs every three, six and nine months. So I make it one week and then in three months time it comes out again and then six months and nine months and the same with blogs because you know what it's like to make a podcast. It's way too much work just to go, haha, I've got it this week and then no one hears about it again. And the algorithm, you know, we all know what that does. You need to keep talking about things and doing things in order to get the traction that you need. I've never thought about repurposing it again. So definitely, you know, always about creating one piece of content. How can I spin it, you know, several different ways to make sure I get some longevity out of it, but not in that way, like not thinking, oh, I could actually pull that guest back up and do it again. I really love that idea. And also I just wanted, I love, I know that you're a podcaster because you did notice (laughs) the motorbike that drove past. And this is the thing about the van. I mean, we could have done these podcasts, you know, virtually. So remotely easy done, both in our home office, we're in a controlled environment, but that's no fun. (laughs) Like, honestly, this is about getting out and meeting people face to face and having, you bought me a coffee. It's about enjoying this little town now. Like after we've finished, I'll have a little wander around, but, um, just back to that, you know, do you feel like you see yourself everywhere? How do you overcome that? Because I, I'm finding that's really hard for me as a brand. You have Oak, but then it's me doing all these little things. I'm like, oh, is this too much Kimberly and not enough other people? Yeah, it is. It, um, and that's why I guess when someone says that I do squirm a little, um, but I don't, I, I, I don't think I'll ever not squirm type of thing. But I know um, when I was learning to public speak, so I was never that person on the debate team. I was never that person at school wanting to, you know, I grew up in a Catholic school. I was never the person wanting to do the, the gospel or the reading or anything like that. I was down the bottom, don't look at me, you know, shrinking, shrinking down as hard as I could. But when I turned 40, I think something switched inside of me and I actually enrolled myself in to a how to be a public speaking course and one of my mentors there David Penglaze who is one of the best speakers in Australia as far as goal setting and you know showing up authentically and things like that he called me selfish one day he said if you don't do this with the amount of knowledge that you have to help people then you're just selfish now you can call me two things in life selfish and dishonest and that will break my heart I'm like I'm not selfish and that was kind of like my thing of okay I kind of have to do this I have to sort of impart my knowledge hopefully in a friendly nice way where people aren't rolling their eyes or though I know some people do roll their eyes and they're just not my people and that's okay and I just have to let them go I was also that person at school who wanted to be liked by everyone and at 48 I realized that I don't like everyone so not everyone's gonna like me yeah so yeah a bit of wisdom with age maybe (laughs) I was just gonna say exactly the same we get we must get wise as we get old I'm just yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah, just I find that's a for me. I mean, it's always sitting there in the background. Is it too much you in there? Are you too much? Are you showing up too much? Because there's a lot of brands that just don't show up at all. So it's finding that balance. But um, there's another point of it where I'm thinking, but I have to. This is my business. This is my livelihood now. Yeah. You know, I'm starting to think about really grown up things like superannuation and retirement. Do you know at how forty many times <laughs> I've had those conversations with people in the last six months. Oh. I said to my husband, "All right, I'm hanging out with different people all of a sudden because now we're talking about superannuation and retirement all of a sudden." 
<laughs> I don't know if it's we're just hunting to retire a little mm. earlier or yeah, you just you get to that point of knowing that there's probably, you know, that 20, 25 years yes. um, of of earning, you know, and and what does that look like for you? So, um, and if you're younger and listening to this podcast, trust me when I tell you, it sneaks up on you all (laughs) of a sudden. You're like, Oh, okay. I've only got X amount of years to earn the amount of money that I want to retire on. Um, yeah. I feel that switch flicked for me at 40, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Just starting to think about it from a a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So just to get back to you and your business (laughs) and what you do, (laughs) uh, tell me about some transferable skills because you mentioned that you're in property law. Mm -hmm. You've gone into retail. You now have a business that is a a podcast, um, social media. uh, You've got products. Like there's actually lots of little areas that you live in. Mm -hmm. What transferable skills have you brought over? To, to help you be a success? Yeah, I, I think um, that's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because I don't think of my skills as transferable, but they must be because they've all helped me get to where I actually am today. Um, so I think, like I said very early on, like one of the first things I learned in business was to listen to the customer. Like even still now, I'm listening to my customer or my client, depending, you know, how you say. I actually said to uh, my best friend one day, I said, maybe I should call them customers. And she said, you can't do that. It's not funny. No, that's terrible. <laughs> I'd be afraid. I'd have a little slip up of a, a letter there and yeah they're not, yeah she's yeah, like that's not no. funny you can't say that so yeah and clearly she was right but um so I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned like you know I just at the moment um in the midst of writing my first book so my book is about marketing and it's focused towards rural and regional small businesses because looking around there's no one really focusing in that area uh, as far as marketing yes there's a gazillion marketing books out there but I've come across one that is actually focused on Australian rural and regional businesses so that's kind of I was like right so it's like if you listen to what's being told to you eventually you kind of get that bright idea it's like ah okay I call them my wet fish moments when someone comes up and just slaps you with a wet fish you're like oh now I get it okay that's what I was supposed to do or that's what I'm supposed to do now but you know all those little signs you ignore then all of a sudden you just get that wet fish and it's like oh okay, now I'm on the right track. I know what I do. But also people, you know, who are much bigger and better than what I am in business have said to me, if you want to go to the next level, Jen, you're going to have to write a book. So they've said that for years and 2023 is the year that I've actually You're going to do one. Yes. And I'll ask you a little bit about the book. Um, I'm wondering if they also mean like by that, it's not just like a marketing book, but I might be able to write a Mills and Boons book and I'd still go the next level. I'm wondering whether the same applies. It does. If that is what you want to be famous for, then absolutely. Uh, it's, it's on there. I, I love Mills and Boons books. Um, just some trashy, trashy romance. There's definitely, yeah. So about your book, do you want to tell me about it? What's the name of it? Uh, when's it coming out? And are you going to add writer to your LinkedIn profile? Uh, yeah, I will add author to my LinkedIn profile. You will start to see that come through. So at the moment, I am in the midst of trying to design a front cover and that that didn't come out right. I'm not doing a single thing. I you know I don't know how to design anything. So I've got the team div- um, designing a front cover. So once I get that, you will start to see it emerge everywhere. But at, at 
This moment, it is called uh, Small Town Big Impact, 107 Marketing Strategies for Country Business Success. So it's all about, like, it's basically, it, I, I don't want to call it a Bible because I think that's got too many connotations in 2023, but that's what it is. Like, there's 107 strategies in there. I want people to open it up, read what I have to say about you know, doing a TikTok reel or read what I have to say about advertising on TV, go away, have a think about it, learn how to not only implement it, but measure it. And, you know, I go into all that in the book and then go, oh, okay, that, that worked or that didn't work. And this is why, this is how I can improve. Cause I just think we're too reliant. I have a saying where it's like, um, don't build empires on crown land. So if you've built your entire business on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you get hacked tomorrow, do you still have a business? Now, if the answer to that is no, you are in deep, deep trouble. Uh, hence, email list, but also there's like 107 other ways that you could market your business, which aren't reliant on things that you have no control over. It's so important. Mm. And it's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. <laughs> so I'm all there for you. Uh, yeah, with having those different streams. Absolutely. What makes running a business, a small business in rural Australia, different from a metropolitan area? Yeah, look, I think that Metro caught up to us a little bit during the pandemic because the one thing we know out in the country is how important community is and how important it is to leverage community, create community and be involved in your community. And I think when Melbourne, for instance, got locked down, they realised that I don't know my neighbour oh, maybe I should get to know my neighbour. And if you watch social media at all, you would find they had, you know, card nights or virtual calls or, you know, one person did the shopping for the building or whatever. And they're things like I remember just nodding my head going, yeah, now you're starting to see what country always knew. And I think community is the biggest difference is how much we can tap into our community, uh, how much, you know, we could rely on that community as well. But also I think we are... We have some really big, I guess, limitations. Like at the moment, everything's beautiful and green. If I'm married to a farmer, anyone who knows farming knows that there is a drought not too far away. We've had a few good years, which is always preceded by bad years, of course. So, and you know, the reality is if farmers don't have money, towns don't have money. Like, you know, it affects the chemist, it affects the news agents, it affects the clothing shop because there's just, even though the farmers don't necessarily go and buy all those things, there's not the money in the town circulating. So I think that it makes a difference as well. So the book is kind of a little bit about future-proofing your book. How can you not have, you'll always have ebbs and flows, but how can you maybe control those ebbs and flows just a little bit to make sure that you're not going to go out of business or you're, you know, you don't have to sort of suffer through the ebbs and waves that rural businesses unfortunately go through. Mm. And I mean, I'm from Bendigo. Um, I would definitely call us, I know we sit in the regional mm. space, but it is such a different regional now. It's yeah. really that vibrant regional city. Right. You know, I think you put us in with Geelong, you yeah. know, there's Ballarat. Right. Um, and how I'm bringing this up is because I saw a photo of you uh, on LinkedIn driving a tractor. <laughs> Now, it's 40 finals week in most uh, leagues around town. We had ours at the weekend. Mm -hmm. And look, there's not really any fanfare. We were in Aubrey Wodonga last week. I was with my husband and um, I just said, oh, look, what's that banner up there? He goes, oh, that's the... Uh, the grand finals coming up for, it must be the Twin Towns or something, the 
ovens, Murray and the Goulburn Valley. And I'm like, how cool is that? And he goes, it's huge over here. And then I see a picture of you driving a a tractor (laughs) down the street all for a parade. Like I think when you talk about community and rural, this is what it looks like, especially with country football that is so important to community. Yeah. So I wish sometimes that country footy wasn't quite as important because I really feel that there are a lot of kids that live in rural towns that don't necessarily want to play football and uh, netball. But the the reality is, you know, we all want to belong to something and sometimes in country towns that's what you belong to, the local football club. And we're really blessed around here. We've got four really vibrant football clubs, um, you know, with different skill sets and things like that like that but that is you know um so the parade was for the Arawonga Pigeons they did actually win on yesterday on Sunday as well but you know they pulled together a parade they invited the local vintage tractor club to which my dad just thinks is the bee's knees so he pulled his tractors out his prized possessions and I got to drive one which you know is really as hilarious as it might sound I think my left leg was going to fall off from riding the clutch all the way down the main street as such but you know though it was for the pigeons but they had you know the Moela footballers had won their grand final so they had a float and the under 15 Rennie netballers had won so they had a float like they really did you know, get the whole town to sort of join in and do that. And I think that really shows, I, I guess, you know, and people came. Like the parade literally went for probably less than 30 minutes and the street was full of people, um, yeah, and kids and things like that. And it does, it just warms my heart, even though I felt a little bit quite ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but, yes, it, it did really warm my heart to see so many people out there and just supporting their community. So, you know, um yeah, it's it's a really important part of being in a small area. And I really feel that, um, you know, myself as a retailer, but also now as, you know, a marketing coach and mentor, like I've got to rely on my community to, you know, to promote me, to buy from me, from, you know, to do all those things. And you can't do that if you're hiding behind a logo or if you're not prepared to show up for your Um, for your community, I guess. Mm. And I suppose this is a nice little gear change back into business. When you talk about business, you are so entrenched in it, especially small business, which I love. And I feel that you've got some really good insights. So you are part of a big small business survey. Uh, There was one last year and there's one happening at the moment. I think if someone went to your LinkedIn page, they'd be able to find the link and obviously help you out and provide some um, feedback into that. Tell me um, from last year's or even if you've seen a bit of this year's, you know, insights, how are small business coping? Yeah, look, I think um, it came about because I feel that what we see on the TV or the light nightly news or what we hear is not really the reality of what's happening out there in small business land. And so, you know, five of us, including myself, you know, and I feel like I'm the little fish in this big pond of these amazing other business owners in Australia. Um, We got together and we did this big small business survey and we really did find out what we kind of already knew, which is small business owners are really resilient. They're really resilient and even though things um you know cost of living crisis and like that we heard so much of that last year if we kind of cast our minds back to last year it's a little bit different again this year I guess which 
you know, the results will be really interesting. But you know, that was like 8% of what people, their major concern was. And it was kind of like, and yet that's all we hear about on TV. So it's like, that's actually not the reality for small business owners. It might be now, and I'm not saying it's not now, but last year, that's all we heard. And yet that wasn't the reality as such. So there's just little things like that, that we really got to um, get to know, um, uh, you know, through the survey. Like one of the things that came through for me was, you know, do you find marketing overwhelming? 86% people wrote yes I find marketing overwhelming and that was a real that was a wet fish moment for me it's just like radio how are you going to help people not be so overwhelmed but then for me also the shocking bit was there was another question in there it's like are you going to increase your budget or you know do you intend to increase or decrease your marketing budget for 2023 and 76% of people wrote yes and I sat back in my chair and I'm like but with what? Because most of you have told me in another question, I think it was something like 76% of people didn't have a business plan. And yet now they're going to increase their marketing budget. It's just like, on what? It was kind of like one of those moments. It's like, there is a lot of work to be done in this landscape. Um, and that's not being talked about in the media. No, it's not. Um, there's probably not a lot of funding either. I feel that, um, I don't know if you were too, but there's a lot of funding for workshops, social media workshops in rural areas and have been for probably the last six years. Um, I've just wrapped up one. They're unable to get any more funding yeah. to go forward. And it, it was really sad because those businesses still need that support. Yes. You know, there are still more businesses coming through, but, you know, things change. Social media changes. Um, but you're so right in that, where are they going to spend that money? Like I think I'm concerned that they'll throw it at Facebook. Yes. And just do a, a Facebook – oh, we'll just boost it and put $100 behind it. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, there is so much more that, you know, mm. you need to plug into that to really make it work and, yeah. and integrate it. Oh, but media, my God. I mean, this is why – I think if someone's followed me for a little while, you have heard me talk about wanting to be like a, I suppose, a media publisher that we can come and get some news and, and it's stuff like that. I, I want what's happening on the ground, um, not what's being filtered through to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this year, um, you know, one of, we kind of have five different sections and like there's five of us, so we all kind of have a hero section each. Um, mine's obviously marketing as such, but Dale Beaumont, who has just the most amazing business um, himself, he's really concentrated on AI this year. So we're really looking forward Ooh. to uh, what, how all the business owners respond to AI. You know, do you feel like, are you using it how often are you using it you know do you feel like it's enhancing your business or taking away from your business do you feel like are you afraid of it all of these questions that I think are so interesting because we are living in a really fast moving AI time like people say to me you know you know how do you do this or what could you recommend a program to help me do this nearly always in the last six months it ends with dot io or dot ai like you know the amount of things that are coming out that are making hopefully our lives simpler but it's crazy how much movement there is mm. i can't wait to read the survey <laughs> results of this year's uh and also that you can still get last year so i know on your yes. yeah, yeah on your linkedin post there was a yeah. you just download the pdf yeah. or just go to the big small business survey.com and you can fill out this year's but you can also get last year's results as amazing. well amazing i've got so much stuff on linkedin at the moment jen <laughs> i'm loving it <laughs> 
Um, there was, you also had this little post and it was a plea to small business owners. Mm. Can you remember it? And can you take us through? I think I was in a really cranky mood that day. (laughs) A bit of a rant post. (laughs) A bit of a rant. I think it started off as a rant podcast that turned into a rant blog that turned into rant posts. But it was basically, so I am a member of my local chamber. Um, One of the things that I really wanted to do to uplevel, like the chamber's been dormant or really struggling and now we've got this great dynamic sort of um, committee and we're wanting to do all these different things. So one of the things I said was, how about we do some blogs on the small business owners around the town? Like A, good for SEO, B, you know, good content for social media for both us and them. And they're like, oh, that'd be a really great idea. And so I thought, well, how about I'll just do it myself for a start. Like, you know, no form. Let's just do it yourself and see what you can find out. Nothing was the answer. It is so hard sometimes to find out who the business owner is or if you can find out who it is, what the heck do they look like? And if you can see what they look like, what do they look like today, not 20 (laughs) years ago when the photo was taken? Um, You know, what's the email address of the business? How long has the business been established for? Who is, who are they targeting? You know, I go to websites and I'm really sorry if I get on a rant here, but I go on a website and it's like, I do this and I've done this for 20 years and I, 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 it's just like, I couldn't give a hoot as a buyer who you think you are. What are you going to do for me? Like, you know, what's in it for the client reading these things and, and the about pages, it's kind of like, there's no photos, you know, there's barely anything there on an about page, your social media bio, nothing like it really, um, I have a thing, LinkedIn's perfect because basically everyone has a name on LinkedIn. Instagram, for instance, someone will follow me and I try and I say the word try because I'm not always going that good at doing it but I do try and do it once a week where I'll go to the people that followed me and I'll send them a little voice message hey Kimberly thanks so much for the follow hope you've had a really great week like there's nothing salesy it's just kind of like hope you had a really great week um you know enjoy your weekend I hope it's fun or something like that and most of the time I literally have to say hey Hope you've had a really great week because I've got no idea what your name is. I cannot find your name anywhere on your Instagram bio or in a post. And it drives me batty because I'm such an advocate for community. And you can't build a community without people knowing who you are and what you stand for and pretty much what you look like. Um, And I sort of just take it back to like maybe the good old days, maybe the bad old days, depending on which way you look at it. If you had a shop in the main street of where you live, the only way people could buy from you was to come in and have a conversation with you. And then social media came along and we thought, oh, good, we can just hide behind here. We can just have a beautiful logo or beautiful products and no one needs to know who we are or what we are or what we stand for. And it's just not reality. If you want to stand out from a crowded marketplace, you need, I call it human to human marketing. You need to market your human side to attract other humans. Um, not saying that you won't make money. Clearly, a lot of people do it and they do make money but for me it's like how much more could you be making how much more impact could you be having on both yourself your community and also your buyers if only you showed up so that's my rant no I love it I'd, I'd rant along with you I think that's a similar rant um 
I'm the same. I go to websites, obviously, to put little bios together to shout someone out on the Oak page. And I just can't because I can't find anything. Um, Or if someone comments, I like to actually reply back with their name. Mm -hmm. Um, So, oh, yeah, thanks, Jen. I really had a great time too. Like I feel that first name basis is, again, building that connection Mm -hmm. that is really important and that trust like no. Um, Why do you think people are hiding behind I suppose their logo their brand does this come back to the I don't know just is it tall poppy syndrome is it us not confident I don't know what is it why are we doing it I I think it's both I think they're you know Australia um, Australians unfortunately do have a thing about tall poppy syndrome Um, you know someone is too out there or too this or too good or too 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 you only have to watch the social media trolls to know that's the case Um, but you know to me it's just like well too bad too sad type of thing but I also think that it's a confidence thing and if I think back to you know where I started in business um, I certainly had lack of confidence. It, it, it grew with me and it grew with my business. And, and I guess once you start doing it and you start to see that it's working, it's like everything else. You're like, well, oh, that's working. Maybe I'll do more of it. But I distinctly remember being in a mastermind program um, when I had my retail business and my friend Sam, I was having lunch with him and part of the things that we had to do that day was a Facebook Live. And during lunchtime, I sat there and I said to Sam, oh, I can't do it. I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way I sound. You know, like wine, wine, wine. Anyway, Sam I clearly got fed up with me and he just basically turned around and he said, Jen, you look and sound the same to me right now as what you will on the video. So I don't understand what your problem is. Now I cried. And then it's just like, he's right. If you can talk to another human in the street or in a shop, then you can do it online. It's just getting used to yourself on camera. Yeah, it's just it's just something. And, you know, I say to people, don't compare yourself where you are now to somebody else where they are. You know, if you look at someone and you think, oh, wow, they're so good on camera, scroll back three years four years and have a look how good or bad they were um you know I have followed Amy Porterfield who is like a Mm, marketer on fire in America and she had a video up um only a couple of months ago of something she did five years ago and it just made me chuckle a little bit because I'm like there it is she's not as polished she's not as perfect as what she is now so people need to look at those videos rather than trying to compare themselves where they are now but I think some of it is if they tried it and saw that it worked, they do it more often. Yeah, absolutely. All very good um, feedback, all very good. So many <laughs> tips. Uh, I do listen back to episodes. So obviously I listen to them when I edit. Yes. It's a different listening though. I'm listening for things to, you know, just to polish up, tighten up, uh, little sound bites that I can put into the show notes and all of that. And then I listen to the podcast generally when I'm driving somewhere. So I've just mm-hmm. listened to the Henty ones today on the way up here. Wow. And p- people are saying, oh, you listening to yourself. I'm actually listening to what the person's saying. Because <laughs> when you're in an interview, you are listening but you're not absorbing. Yes. You're looking for those um, those little segues. I feel like I'm going to listen to yours, Jen, with my notepad <laughs> and my pen and I'm going to write down all these little tips and just those little reminders for myself. I want to sort of talk about one more point before I let you go. And um, it's a pretty big one, actually. So you're behind two really, really big platforms uh, that came out through COVID, really. Buy from a bush-based business and spend with us. They are huge. Like, I 
don't know where you found the time to to do all that. But <laughs> do you want to take me through both of those, how they started and where you where you are with them now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, they are kind of um, my legacies at the moment is what I sort of talk to them and talk about them as. So basically, um, back in 2019, October 2019. It's hard to imagine now we're in horrific drought, uh, certainly where we were in New South Wales and most of Queensland was in horrific drought. And I remember doing a, um, a tour around the Riverina, going to like Naranda and Hay and Griffith and a few places and everyone was really sad. Christmas was coming, but the retailers and the shop owners, they didn't care because again, if farmers don't have money, towns don't have money. And buy from the bush was a hashtag trending at that time. So it hadn't been created into what we see today it was a hashtag and everyone was like how do you use a hashtag I've been using it for two weeks and you know I don't understand like you know am I using it right and I remember just driving back from hay after hearing these comments over and over again and thinking how can I make this simpler and my business life is based on a premise of see a problem solve a problem so it was just like right the problem is that no one knows how to use Instagram Everyone knows how to use Facebook. So I went home, I opened a Facebook group called Buy From uh, A Bush Business and I invited my friends and I invited the people that I'd seen that week and I asked them to invite their friends. And I remember... You know, this is October 2019. I remember going, you know, like 5,000 members, woohoo, 15,000 members, you people are amazing. And it was like 110,000 members. Um, goodness gracious, what have I created? So, like, even though I was the creator of that group, it was the community who grew up. People invited their people. And what happened was, you know, up to date, there's probably been about $8 million injected into rural and regional areas because of that group and basically I you know other than keeping it a safe space which was really important to me so anyone who trolled or was nasty they got kicked out pretty quickly I was very ruthless um you know I had people come at me again you know it was really hard time and I think back to it and I think it's a bit like childbirth you you know you kind of forget the bad bits you remember the good bits and I definitely feel that way about that group um and but probably about 10 11 months into it I knew that one of the things that we needed to I needed to create was a marketplace so for people who didn't have a website um and that were like you know just message me and you know we all know that that's how people get themselves in trouble with getting hacked or ripped off and that sort of thing so I joined with Lauren and Sarah who had created spend with us through the bushfires um, and so we created the country collective co which was a marketplace and the facebook group and yeah things just really grew from there you know um, it was really good it was exactly what australia needed buy from the bush was you know it was kind of like i felt like we were really between the you know the two different entities were really putting rural and regional Australia on the map which is exactly what I wanted to do type of thing um, but for me um, the time sort of came I have a word of the year every oh, year and yeah. this year my word of the year was challenge which meant that I challenged everything I challenged my offerings I, I didn't challenge my children or my husband they were safe <laughs> but just about everything else I challenged and for spend with us buy from a bush business the challenge was I'd lost a little bit of passion for it and I wasn't the person to take it to the next level and that was disrespectful for everybody else who needed it to grow their businesses and to I guess you know 
become more profitable so I spoke to um, my business partner Sarah and you know when you stew over something for weeks and anyway I got up the courage and told Sarah and basically she was so mean she said I thought you would have said this earlier (laughs) I was just like "Mm, sometimes people know you better than you know yourself Um, so I exited out of those companies um, on the 30th of June this year I'm still a shareholder um, and I'm still like the biggest advocate for everything that Sarah's doing over there but for me I wanted to write a book I wanted to make a difference in rural and regional Australia in a different way so my book you know around you know small business small town big impact is my way now that I want to make that big impact and really help um, rural businesses grow so yeah and that's life you know you're allowed to be in something watch it grow close the door and open another one yeah yeah Yeah. can't do that with kids you know (laughs) if we're Thank God we've got businesses that we can move on from them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah, maybe that's the um, a little bit of who I am as well. Like, you know, I'm not really a stayer in too much other than being a wife and a mum and maybe having, you know, friendship groups and things like that. But I do like to move. I get – I don't know, it's not boredom, but I think – you know, it's, it's a stretch. What's my next stretch? Uh, and, you know, as it turns out, my next stretch is this book. So, mm. yeah. Comfort zone's boring. Oh, so boring. Yeah. <laughs> you need to push yourself outside of it. And as they say, you know, amazingness usually sits outside of that. It's, um, it's definitely challenging, but that's where, that's where the growth is. That's yeah. The, yeah. And when you gold. get comfortable there, it's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I just had to take a breath. Like I'm just sitting here listening to everything and I'm like, oh, this is incredible. Um, You are someone I feel like anyone could talk to for like hours on a podcast, (laughs) but we're lucky because you have your own podcast. So um, that's what I'll be doing is uh, queuing up a few of your episodes and just- Listening to my dulcet tones. Yes. Yes. (laughs) My husband said I had the same- the same dulcet tones as well. <laughs> I feel like he was giving me shit though. Um, <laughs> Andrew, a funny little story. Um, a lady at work said, oh, you must be so lucky to listen to Kimberly at home with her dulcet tones. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she sounds a little bit different at home. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, we probably. all have podcast voices. Yes. Um, but yes, thank you so much. I will definitely listen uh, to some of those episodes and, and just absorb and I can't wait till the book comes out. But I think the most important question before I let you go and I don't know how you're going to narrow it down to one (laughs) can you tell me about a friend of yours that we need to know about oh I saw this question when you sent it through and yeah exactly how am I going to narrow that down to one um look I probably have to give my shout out to Jules Brooke she's not a regional lady or a rural lady but she has a business called she's the boss and she is building a membership and a group of women who are just amazing so just you know that uh, being able to hang out with people who are different to you and but still like-minded and who will push you challenge you but also celebrate with you that's what she's creating in she's the boss so I would really love to give a shout out to Jules Um, you know go and have a look at she's the boss group Um, yeah and if you're looking for I guess your tribe you know, maybe that's the place that you'll find them. You'll definitely find me lurking in there once again. So thank you for allowing me to do that. But, um, yeah, I feel really bad because all my other friends would be like, Oi, what about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tricky one to pick a favourite. Uh, but I do every year I pick a different membership 
group. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing, just to, I suppose, sit yourself somewhere else. Yeah. It may not be a comfortable space either because they're not the sorts of people that you, you know, you normally find yourself hanging out with. But as long as their values and everything is in line, it, it's where you grow. You know, yeah. they have different maybe opinions, different things that they're doing. Um, so one that I've been in is One Roof. Uh, that was yeah. my – I was nearly going to give them a shout-out. They're they, amazing yeah. as well. Sheree and the, they're yes. amazing for what they've done and how they've built it up through COVID. Yes. There's actually an incredible story behind all that. Mm. I need to follow Sheree up. Mm. Um, but, again, there's not a lot that's really rural and regional-based. So it is going into those, yes. I suppose, those bigger ones and, and finding your little, yeah. your little country buddies in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose when I was thinking about who to give a shout-out to, um, everyone else who I thought about is in She's the Boss. So it was kind of like maybe I should shout out the group where you're going to find the amazing, you know, Teresa's and the amazing Tracy's and the amazing, you know, Michelle's and all that sort of thing because they're all in there. So that was my thinking behind just shouting out that group. Good one. I love it. Again, thank you so much. Thank you for coming to Yarrawonga. My pleasure. I really, (laughs) really enjoyed it. Um, We've got the van. We've sat in it. I'm sure everyone can hear the surroundings. But, um, yeah, hope they've enjoyed it because I certainly have um, and can't believe I've waited this long to interview you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, thank you so much. This has been such a treat to talk, uh, you know, and to look out at my beautiful town while we do it. Mm, I've never done that before. (laughs) There you go. First for everything. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions, we'd like to celebrate a win. You can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Oak Magazine AU. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine. <laughs>